I like it when they say a movie's inspired by a true story, because that's weird. It means the movie's not a true story. It was just inspired by a true story. Like, hey, Mitch, did you hear the story about that lady who drove her children into the river and they all drowned? Yes, I did. And that inspired me to write a movie about a gorilla. <laughs> My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. We're here wrapping up the last three weeks of movies, and I think this is going to be a lesson learned for me, hopefully, because if not, (laughs) (laughs) then Mike, you got to let me know in the future. Whenever I say, hey, I want to do this, I want to do that, and something stupid, like picking a direct-to-DVD movie that has nothing to do with (laughs) the normal films we discuss, you got to let me know. Because I've been racking my brain on how to kind of find uh, commonalities, similar threads uh, between our films. Justice League, The New Frontier, The Man from Uncle, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And boy, it is difficult. I went into my uh, research well, try to find out things that happened late 50s, early 60s, and it's all pretty... And I actually went through the 60s in general because I was like, cause that's a lot of the major stuff that occurred. I mean... JFK assassinated, Malcolm X assassinated, Martin Luther King assassinated, Richard Nixon alive. It's the worst. Uh, and he... <laughs> I liked the setup to, <laughs> to get to that punchline. <laughs> Me too. Um, he, you know, he's at the White House. The inflation and, and unemployment, are like the misery index, is all high. So it's an unpleasant time, and that's kind of where our movies take place the man from uncle and once upon a time in hollywood towards the end of the 60s new frontier end of the 50s into the 60s one of the things i spotted was there is a little bit of positivity that's running through all of these films in new frontier we're talking about a bunch of individuals coming into the limelight using their powers for good and people embracing it in the man from uncle we've got characters of questionable uh, backgrounds coming together to fight and and for, for a greater purpose than, than themselves and putting away the uh, their their distaste for one another and once upon a time in hollywood you have a look back at one of the most horrific crimes uh, in american history in a much more I don't want to say positive light because it's a revisionist history. So we're allowed to indulge our. I think we witness a young lady, um, well, a can of dog food thrown directly into her face, uh, <laughs> which is uh, just the precursor to her being set on fire by the dude from Titanic with a flamethrower. So yeah, I mean, positives maybe not the word. What would you what would you call that um, that bit of revisionist history, which is a it harkens back to Tarantino's work in Glorious Bastards, where you get to see Hitler riddled with bullets, like right in the face. There is some sort of, I guess, cathartic release 
that at least in the movies justice is served and i mean delivered in a pulpy bit of violence but that version of justice well here is a little bit of a teaser for next month what i saw it as was a bit of frontier justice which mm. is very thirst quenching and that's kind of how i saw inglorious bastards and once upon a time in hollywood uh, the ending the climax of both of those films how were you able to wrestle with these films the last uh, few weeks and then kind of decide how they fit together in a trilogy? Or they don't, and they're just a bunch of films that uh, are uh, a fun watch at times, good and bad in both of them. In the case of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, only good, of course. But how how did you come at these films? Yeah, we, we weren't too positive. I mean, we had our, our bit of, I guess, a podcast frontier justice when it came to guy Ritchie's the man from uncle <laughs> with the two of us if you listen to that episode i looked at it in a very comic book style fashion where this month was our historical fiction team up issue and it was looking at how those teams are formed i would say that once upon a time in hollywood is probably the most it's the biggest stretch for that, not the historical fiction aspect of it, obviously, because Tarantino, you know, righted a wrong with his own characters. But unlike Justice League, The New Frontier, where we have sequences we mentioned in that episode with um, Batman and Martian Manhunter teaming up, but not without threats of violence. Like, <laughs> you better not, you better be on the right side of this, buddy, or I'll get a uh, some matches and then you'll be done for. Uh, Man from Uncle, similar things, right? You have the the Cold War uh, sensibility is where nations can't trust one another, but through happenstance, they are kind of forced to uh, team up with their enemies to take on a bigger enemy. You don't have that as as much in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood unless you're looking at it as the old guard protecting against this hippie invasion trying to, <laughs> to reclaim their glorious past. Whether it be DiCaprio's actor character, uh, getting to like be the cowboy again, getting to be black and white, the hero, and not the old man just hanging on. We're going to push back against uh, the youth movement here, which is unfair to say that the youth movement of the 60s, inevitably all of them would end up killing celebrities and being in a cult. But it's, I do think they fit together in that way where uh, you're looking at a turbulent time period and it's Hollywood films looking back, or in the case of New Frontier, <laughs> direct-to-video film based on a fantastic comic book miniseries uh, trying to use iconic pop culture imagery to have a better or perhaps more palatable understanding of some very troubled times. The decades you, you mentioned with the three very infamous acts of men trying to make a change and being stopped. And at least in our version of the movies, it's the good guys putting a stop to the people trying to enact villainous changes. So I didn't have as much of an issue with it. I think there's a little bit of, uh, you're you're shaming yourself for wanting to get back into your comic book world. I think I think it worked out better than you. So I'll I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Do you get anything from the team up aspect here, where we've got you know spies from different nations working together? We've got the cowboy, the the television cowboy, getting to be a hero for once, and then his stuntman character getting to come to the forefront and and be the star. 
And then, of course, you've got, you know, Batman, Superman, Flash, all, all the things you understand, Webb, all the things that you're cool with. <laughs> <laughs> those characters are not as three-dimensional, I think. We all can understand those you characters. You know what? This is not a YouTube channel. I'm speaking to a man wearing a Batman t-shirt. I, I don't see Brad Pitt <laughs> on your shirt. <laughs> Definitely. And you know what? To cover ourselves, there's no Army Hammer on his shirt either. It's Batman. It's This is a family show. Do you remember the rumors that like Army Hammer might have been Batman? This up- oh my God, can you imagine? That was a... Uh, well, it's funny how that ebbs and flows, right? Because I, I remember at the time... It was like him and maybe like Ashton Kutcher and Colin Farrell. Because this is like, what, the mid-2000s? But it was for George Miller's Justice League, was it not? Oh, my gosh. Okay, what so a weird there we world. Go. There we go. So at the time, I remember the fan base being like, who are these people? Ashton Kutcher, Colin Farrell, absolutely not. I think, unfortunately for Army Hammer, people just said, who? <laughs> like, <I don't> think... <laughs> but then you have Mad Max Fury Road, and I think that the fan base was like, we we missed it. That could have been Zack Snyder's Justice League right there. Now with Army, we're back to saying, okay, good, good, that, that didn't happen anymore. Instead, he gets to be in the failed Man from the Uncle and the failed Lone Ranger, and we're all the better for it. We can all just forget about him. I didn't think about the historical fiction aspect of it. Uh, I, I remember you had mentioned that as the theme, um, but I suppose you're right. It does work in that way. And I, I do like the team-up aspect in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You're right. The concept of the stunt characters and, and the disrespect, like the Bruce Lee scene, where he's clearly showing a great amount of disrespect to Cliff's character. <laughs> Even and... though you do have someone, as Bruce Lee's taking his... Uh... His costume off. Say, uh, you know that dude killed his wife, right? Supposedly. Just letting <laughs> you know. And it's like, that guy? <laughs> the guy I'm about to fight? Is <laughs> a murderer? Okay. That is a great encapsulation of the concept of the insider's guy. The way, mm. like, Todd Berry. You talk to any comedian, I think, uh, and they'll talk about how Todd Berry is a genius. And, and I, I agree. I love Todd Berry. He has a great... <laughs> if I could redeem myself from the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Audible credit that you unfortunately wasted. <laughs> Hopefully, you returned it right away. I did. I did uh, not. Todd. Oh, you got. You have to. Well, you I'm have to like year to do it at some point. I think I'm just going to go through it all, Web, and I'm going to come back to you six months from now and be like, you know what? You were wrong. It's a fantastic. You got to get through four <laughs> hours of it, but it turns around. Todd Berry has an audiobook called, I think, "A Welcome to Hattiesburg," and it's about going to these uh, secondary. Uh, markets in, in terms of his, his stand-up and the foreword is written and read by uh, jesse eisenberg who is a big fan and so anyhow that scene in once upon a time in hollywood really rang true to me where it's like yes you're right these individuals do have either notoriety or quite a bit of reverence in their own little circles and i think that's wonderful and so, yeah, I like the concept of this individual who normally would not get as much praise or not be in the limelight, be there, coming to uh, his his best friend, actor, coming to the forefront for this individual. I did like that team up quite a bit. And they're teaming up against, you're right, that the negative aspect of the hippie movement, which, unfair, but because it's Quentin Tarantino, we kind of let it. Like, he tends to get away with quite a bit. It also kind of speaks to the idea of fame, um... In particular with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I, I suppose even with the man from Uncle, like one thing we really harped on 
in that episode is why does this random previous Nazi scientist torture artist feel the need to give his backstory? And it's like even in facing death, it's like, I want my moment in the sun. Here's my entire backstory <laughs> to two men who do not care. But in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the members of the Manson family that you know are originally targeting Sharon Tate, and thankfully our drunken hero as played by, by Leo, comes out with his margarita mix in the blender <laughs> and turns the spotlight onto him by being a complete asshole, they surely would not have invaded that home if they had known who Brad Pitt's character of Cliff was. And it's just same thing with Bruce Lee. Now, it's, it's a credit to Bruce Lee in that sequence that he's like, he does sort of pause for a moment, but he's still Bruce Lee, so... Um, he's still going to challenge this man, but I, I like that idea of the known and the unknown. And that goes back a little bit to the new frontier with Batman, where you even see he has like a small arc in this great ensemble of the DC universe where, uh, he's attempting to save, uh, the small child from a cult. I mean, this is, uh, I guess if Man from Uncle had had it, we could have had a, a third thread of cults appearing in our trilogy, our selected trilogy for this month. And while he does the valiant thing, the heroic thing, and saves the child's life, the child was still terrified of him because of his reputation and what he represents. And you see how he he changes. So it's, it is a cool look, probably accidentally for us, that our selected trilogy, it's also about the reputation of our heroes, what they want to put out to the, the world. Uh, Man from Uncle, uh, it's dealt with, I think, in a more standard sort of just like cocky bit of machismo. Um, you used a clip this month <laughs> where Henry Cavill is drugged, and it's almost like he accepts it, like, I can't believe you pulled this off on me. Like, you know, <laughs> don't you know who you're dealing with? And <laughs> the woman's like, yeah, I know who I'm dealing with. Like, you know, and I just, I just drugged all of them. And it's like, oh, okay. I would say, like, I don't want to harp too much. That's the failing this month <laughs> of this trilogy. But I do think that's a small thread. That it's also history has a way of finding the, the outliers for at least a brief moment in the sun playing a really significant part uh, in the, the shaping of the world. And at least in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was a guy no one would ever look twice at, Brad Pitt. Who would ever see him coming out of nowhere? Right. The guy's just been kicked around, and he's just... He, he, he lost the, the genetic lottery, and he finally gets his moment <laughs> to be the hero. <laughs> Even in that moment that you mentioned where the Manson family individuals right before – they're in the car, and so right before they're about to go in, home invade this residence, they all of a sudden realized that they were being yelled at by Rick Dalton. <laughs> no idea about who his stunt double was, whether he used a stunt double, and what's in store for them in the next few moments. So, yeah, and and – in Unbreakable, one of the things that Samuel L. Jackson's character, Elijah, mentioned is like the villains always, their eyes are drawn a little differently than the heroes because they're seeing the world in a different way than the heroes are. And so their point of view is very real and heroic to them, but maybe not others. And so you have the Manson family looking at the world being like, wouldn't it be amazing if the people who inflicted their fake violence upon us, we inflict real violence on them? So I thought that was a fascinating little uh, turn. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because it just made me think about that sequence. I always thought the uh, 
the unbreakable line was just uh, his excuse for his uh, terrible haircut in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Started making fun of him. He's like, look, here's the origin story of my haircut. <laughs> that also stuck out to me about each of these films is how Hollywood and I guess fiction in general, they love to take real events and kind of add a twist to them or look at them in a different way or add their own revisionist plots in there. And this is done pretty consistently. And I just thought about like the, the entire opening credits for Watchmen and how much I, I, I loved that. I think a lot of people did. Maybe not the rest of the film as much, though I, I kind of... I don't know why I have a soft spot for that movie a little bit more than uh, most of the diehards. But yeah, so we do a lot of that. And one of the things that you mentioned to me via text this past week was that you are just kind of done with films that exploit real life events and and take people's lives and, and use them for kind of a monetary gain almost uh we started off with true crime and then they and then you expanded that i was like whoa i went nuclear because yes you you did and that gaslights a whole bunch of stuff and, you know and i meant wait a minute but zodiac is a great film i don't feel like that this one and so it's like you you <laughs> And then I feel like I came back with a pretty good uh, uh, film where like, you you loved Our Friend. And I was like, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of uh, string pulling towards uh, the end with the sentimentality. And you're like, well, that's not because the character, <laughs> the actress playing the character that I like is still alive. Well, yeah, I'm that's sure. the... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just responded with Dakota Johnson, and yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's it. That should end the argument. Well, it has Dakota Johnson in it, so shut up. <laughs> so, if if I'm, I'm gonna, here's what I've decided. <laughs> I've decided that you are going to like like a villain from <laughs> Elijah's Unbreakable World. What you're going to do is you're going to see the world, and you're going to see these movies that are based on real events that are good, and find a way to be okay with them. <laughs> You're going to find a way to be okay with them, and the other ones that are actually exploitative, you're going to lambast them and, and fuel your narrative. But how do you feel about some of these films that take real-life events and twist them? Obviously, with uh, Inglorious and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's great because you're getting to see something horrible that actually occurred change into something that's awesome. Killing of the Manson family, the mutilation of, of Hitler— and so, how do you feel about these revisionist films? Is I, I don't know if there is a genre, but I feel like there's a subgenre of films that we could put together. Are you okay with that? I mean, we we somewhat touched on it uh, with, I guess, Tarantino's publicity tour for the uh, Audible credit that must be returned, uh, where he's you know he always sticks his foot in his mouth, and he 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 said something to the effect of. Uh, and he could understand Bruce Lee's family members taking issue with 
<clears throat> extrapolating on the Bruce Lee persona to to suit his film's needs uh, and making him a character in his world. I think. I mean, I think with distance, uh, we probably uh, don't care as much. I just watched uh, a movie two weeks ago uh, called Joe Bell, which is very much melodrama. Um, it's it's about the true story of uh, a father who is doing this like walk across America because his uh, gay son was bullied in in high school, and obviously that has tragic consequences so you find yourself <laughs> i feel like especially in online discourse you know i'm watching this i'm like this is not it's not really not really working like if this was pure fiction if this was just a spec script i think people would feel more the option would be on the table to just attack it relentlessly for as you said pulling the strings manipulation uh, an easy out of something that if you just read the tagline for the movie, uh, everyone can say, well, that's terrible. Like there, there's no, there's no way to approach any of these characters with a differing point of view, un unless you're, I guess a monster who thinks that someone's sexual orientation deserves bullying. And you think, no, no, actually there is another side to this and I'm on that <laughs> side. So I do prefer Although I could see how it would be offensive, like the sort of historical fiction aspect where we take real world events that we in the general public, no matter how close we are to the, the actual events, like you and I were decades removed uh, from anything related to our selected trilogy. Uh, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we talked about neither one of us having a sort of Californian background where it's like, or you have even family members who remember what it looked like in the sixties. And so you don't even have that particular nostalgia trip, but I like that there is this sort of communal aspect to, to referencing something that everyone is vaguely aware of and then trying to make something in a way more positive about it. The, the films that rely pretty heavily on the based on true story, I find more often than not, are hanging their head on the fact like you keep your fucking mouth shut because this happened to a real person you son of a bitch <laughs> like, <laughs> you give us a pass on this one and so that's uh in our conversation probably where my head was at and it's interesting because you, you mentioned uh our friend with the great dakota johnson uh i i do feel like not even if that was not a true story i feel like that film would work totally as a, a bit of fiction too i just love the this different sort of love triangle, this platonic love triangle that we're not used to seeing and this commitment uh, to this life that this, you know, this collective group of friends have built together. That's what I really liked about it. Like I found the fact that it's unfortunate that it actually did happen to these people, but it was also unnecessary for me to sort of prove its validity as a piece of entertainment. Whereas I feel like most based on a true story or true crime things, it's like, reserve your comments because this is real. This is real, and you're insulting someone if you have a negative viewpoint of it. I wish we could just get rid of that based on a true story thing because ultimately it's never going to be 100% you know, accurate to those events. Because all, Aaron Sorkin uh, it was very specific about this. When he writes a script, he does what is best for the script and the film rather than what actually occurred. So I, I think I think I read that around the time when Steve Jobs came out, which I think is an excellent, excellent film. Another great Sorkin uh, film. I noticed no one and came out and said, you know what? 
Steve Jobs is a pretty nice dude. That was, no, <laughs> right. No one was really beating that drum. So, and uh, he was still seen as a he's still a cool character in any walk of life. But certainly for a movie, he was always going to be a guy that is like he's going to be interesting if they make his life story on film because he is so antagonistic and charming at the same time. And nobody at the end of that film was like, so that's how the iPod was. He's <laughs> like. It's like, no, but it's just a nice little way to end the film. It probably That's would have done is. better at the box office if they had <laughs> leaned into Steve Jobs, the making of the iPod. Well, if we're getting rid of Steve Jobs completely, just call it iPod. That would have been perfect. iPod the movie. <laughs> It's so funny See, to me, and we, I don't know We why. have no business, no business talking about real people, especially those that are deceased, because we will, we will just dig down into the mucky muck until we get to something we find exceedingly humorous. And anyone listening is like, why, why is that concept so funny to these two idiots on a podcast? <laughs> you know, what, we'll go, we'll back it up. Steve Jobs is a good movie, and he was probably a somewhat decent man at a few points in his life. How about that? Certainly. <laughs> I think that this trilogy was... Ooh, it was successful. Didn't work for you, huh? Didn't work It didn't work for me. And I hate to say and I think we might differ. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed each individual. Even though I didn't enjoy Man from Uncle, I still enjoyed watching it and, and gaining what I could from it. No, and then you enjoyed wonderful... Recording on it is what you. Yeah, <laughs> I did, but it wouldn't have happened had I not seen the movie twice. So, I'm I'm glad that it certainly occurred. And my normal, I'm glad it exists. I don't know if I'm glad it exists, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> we almost had an actual spit take there in this recording session. I I think that it worked. I think you're being too hard on yourself. I do wish. <laughs> Can't be mean again. I wish the man from Uncle didn't exist, and or we had just made a better selection. Here. But we we kind of went with the you know this was my my failings. We went with that sort of sixties bent because I knew I wanted to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You want to talk about the New Frontier, and so we found something in the, the, the middle of the sandwich that was just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> It's the onion or the pickle you don't want on the sandwich, and we tried to, to toss it out, but it was it was too late. Uh, but I did enjoy thinking of at least two of these films, two out of three, in a different context than I than I had before. And I I think that between New Frontier and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like I don't think anyone would find New Frontier. Well, I shouldn't say that in the age of Twitter. I was gonna say I don't think anyone would be offended by the use of real. Um, you know, traumatizing historical events and putting heroes and spandex and capes come save the day because that's probably just the history of comic books have always been that safety net or that cushion uh, to to make you believe that there is the possibility of goodness in this world, just goodness just for the sake of it. So I I say that we didn't really get into their version of Steel in New Frontier, which is kind of briefly touched oh, on. So yeah. there's still that. I don't know how people would feel, but. I think we began with something that was pure 
and you could find it back in yesteryear at uh, Best Buy <laughs> with a little Green Lantern figure. And then something that, of course, was a little bit more controversial with, uh, well, anything with Tarantino, well, he, he courts that controversy. So I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this month's trilogy. And um, I would say we'll just, what we really need to correct is you selecting the kickoff movie (laughs) but we actually did (laughs) because with next month's trilogy you start us off again you're so i'd like to do a movie about but i think i think you won't uh i don't think with your first selection you're gonna feel as bad about yourself because you're going with an established classic on this one even when we fail even when we have differing opinions about whether we failed or not i think each episode is a goddamn classic I was going to say, you didn't even really want to get out the sentence, even when we fail, because you're like, it, it didn't sound genuine. No. <laughs> like when you delivered no. it. <laughs> Trilogy and Theory is always a success, no matter what we do. We purposely sabotage the, the selections and still come out with gold, baby. <laughs>